Well, hello there, folks, and uh, welcome to the final of this year's X Factor. It's been a roller coaster ride for all our contestants and great entertainment for us. We've lost a few good acts along the way. Jonah, you'll remember, he went out early, but there always was something a little bit fishy about that one. Joseph, well, he may have been a snazzy dresser, but he had to leave the competition when he got a new job in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then, of course, there was Samson. He was definitely one for the girls, but his new hairstyle led him down big time, which was a real shame, because last week his performance brought the house down. Ah, but that's all behind us now, and we're down to the final three. And we're asking you, the audience at home, to tell us who it is who's really got that X Factor. And to help you do just that, we've got our four X Factor judges. Please welcome them now. Louis Walsh. Danny Minogue. Cheryl Cole. And Mr. Simon Cowell. Well, as the judges take their seats, let's ask you, Simon, tell us how you think the competition's been going so far. Well, I must say it's been an interesting one this year. Uh, we've been surprised by the public vote and some good contenders have gone out. I was particularly saddened when Daniel went out last week with an amazing performance of The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Yeah, yeah, I think we all were. But, uh, who do you think is going to come out on top tonight? Well, I've been in the music industry all my life. And I think I know who's going to win the X Factor. But it's up to the public vote today. I just hope they make the right decision. Well, folks, should be a good one tonight. I think we've got a great show lined up for you. But just before we introduce our first act, there's an opportunity for you out there to take part in our show, to come up on stage and help us out with our Christmas gifts. Over to you, Gareth. Thank you very much, Dermot. I know some of you have uh, uh, brought gifts for the Children's Hospital this year. Now's the opportunity for you to bring them out. But before you do, uh, let me just say there is a, a creche available over there for preschool children. If you uh, need to take them across, um, there's somebody over there waiting for them. We'll put a bit of music on and uh, bring out your presents. The judges will accept them. Let's get on with the show. Over to you, Dermot. Yeah, thanks, Gareth. I think we'll definitely get on with the show. Cheryl, it's over to you as the mentor for our first act. They may have got it wrong every now and then, but they're a special couple, the lovely Adam and Eve. Well, let's find out what our judges thought of that. Louis. Well done. They're a really nice couple. I love the harmonies. They're just like you and me. I like them a lot. Danny. Wow! 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 What can I say? 
Wow! They, they were almost perfect. Wow. <laughs> Simon. Well, Dermot, I've always said these two have had a ceiling, and I think they've reached it tonight. Eve I like, but Adam, he just seems to be downtrodden. I think I know who's wearing the trousers in this act. Well, maybe he wears them, but Eve certainly chooses them. Uh, and that's where it all starts, uh, with Adam and Eve. Uh, I guess it's the beginning of God's X-Factor church. Uh, and the first people got it wrong. Almost straight away. Adam and Eve basically bomb out in the first auditions. Uh, and because we have a record of this in Genesis chapter 1, 2 and 3, it's all very public. They fail miserably. God gives them ultimate freedom and a special relationship with him, their loving creator, even going as far as explaining the dangers in the garden to help them to avoid losing that freedom and ending up as slaves. But the happy couple, they ignore God's truth and kindness. They believe a lie from a snake. If a snake tells you something, you don't believe him, do you? Looking at Adam and Eve is painfully sad. What was it Danny said? They were almost perfect. Well, no, actually, they were far from perfect. But Louis comment is wise, isn't it? They're just like you and me. They're just like you and me. Is their mistake of not listening to God our mistake? Because if it is, we need to say sorry, uh, which is just what we're going to do now. If you want to take up your service sheet and turn to the uh, second page, um, we're going to do a confession saying sorry to God. If you are sorry, then pray this along with me. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Thank you that you love us and care for us all the time. We know that this week we have not always lived the way you tell us. We have not done wrong things and not done all the good things we should have done. Only you can save us. So please forgive us and help us to live as your friends. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we know that God is able to forgive because of what Jesus did. And that's why we can sing this next song. That song. There is nothing, nothing that I can do or say that will make you love me more or make God love me less. Uh, and so our X Factor search goes on. Dermot. And uh, Louis, you're the mentor. Who is it What's up now? The papers have christened them Jesus, but we know them as brothers and twins, Jacob and Esau. What's the verdict? Danny? Well, you know, um, I've got to be honest with the boys here. I've never really liked them. I mean, they don't even look like twins. 
They put on a good show, but I can't see them selling records. Cheryl? I've read in the press this week that there's been a bit of a fallout <coughs> over some food and who's going to be in charge. But that aside, I look forward to watching you, and you never know what's going to happen. But still, I just don't think you've got the X Factor. Simon? Well, look, it's the final show, and if I'm honest, I can't believe they've got this far. The hair is ridiculous, they're obnoxious, they're selfish, they can't dance, and they definitely can't sing. All they do is argue, please don't vote for them. All they ever do is mess things up. Thank you very much, judges. Uh, well, God's search for someone with the X factor spans the whole Bible. In Genesis with Adam and Eve, we had the first auditions which end in a mess. Uh, but right back when God first saw that first audition, first audition he, uh, he made a promise that someday someone with the X factor will come. And so the search begins to find someone who's going to sort it all out. Uh, characters come and go. Uh, we have uh, Noah. Uh, and then uh, Abraham uh, and Isaac. But they all fail one way or another. Uh, and then come Isaac's uh, twin boys, uh, Jacob and Esau. Uh, boys who would have been told by their mum and dad that God had made a promise to their granddad Abraham that one day he was going to bless the whole earth through his family tree. Could it be that Jacob and Esau are the ones with the X factor, the ones who are going to bring blessing to everybody? Well, the quick answer to that is, is no. The judges are right. Cheryl said, well, they're great entertainment and they're certainly colourful characters, aren't they? At first, uh, they're so different, it's untrue. Uh, you've got Esau, born first. Uh, he's a real man's man, a bit of a hunter, an outdoor sort of bloke. He's really, really big and he's really, really hairy. His name even means hairy. Uh, and he's spoilt by his dad. But then there's Jacob. Born second. He's the opposite. He's quiet. He's a bit of a homeboy. His mum is the one who dotes on him. And he lives in the shadow of his older twin the whole time. There's all sorts of sibling rivalry going on. His name actually means, Jacob, grasps the heel of. And that's exactly what he was doing when he came out of his mum. He was holding on to Esau's heel when they were born. They're so different. Uh, and uh, like one of our other judges said, you never know what's going to happen apart from, uh, well, you just sense that like Simon says, they're just going to mess it up, which is exactly what they do. Let me read to you a little bit from Genesis, which tells you what happened. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished, and he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. And so he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate, he drank, and then he got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. Yeah, Esau was the one through whom the promise to bless the world should have come. Normally it would be expected to come from him. He was the one born first, and therefore the inheritance should go to him. That's the ex factor hope. It should have been passed on via Esau. It's a great privilege that he stupidly lets his snidey, conniving brother, Jacob, take his birthright for a bowl of soup. And then Jacob goes on to con his dad, Isaac, into giving blessing to this whole dodgy plan of taking the inheritance. It's a mess. All Jacob and Esau ever do is mess things up. They certainly don't have the X factor, but 
God's always in control. We see that right the way through the Bible. He is bigger than any dodgy inheritance swapping. What God says is going to happen does happen. And if he says someone with the X factor is going to turn up to sort it all out, then someone with the X factor is going to turn up to sort it all out. Well, uh, the uh, hope of someone with the X factor turning up is still hanging in there. So let's see what happens next. Over to you, Dermot. Well, welcome back to our X Factor final. Only one act to go, and it's over to Simon with the over 25s. Thanks, Dermot. Our last finalist has had a long singing career. He's played in all sorts of venues, ranging from the shepherd's fields to the battlefields. It's the king, it's David. That went quite well. Let's see what our experts have to say. Louis. You know, Dermot, I always thought David was a bit of a dark horse. My good friend Samuel predicted he'd come a long way, and he has. The heart playing in the early rounds, it wouldn't have been everyone's cup of tea. But he's a looker and sings well. I think the girls out there will just love him. I think he will do well tonight. Cheryl. David's always caught my eye, and I love the fact that he's not just relying on winning the X Factor, but um, writing his own material in soon-to-be-published Book of the Psalms. I like him, Dermot. Danny. Well, you know, Dermot, I think if the newspapers are right, the ladies could be this man's downfall. Uh, what's that one? Oh, yeah, that Bathsheba, you know. I think this young man needs to be careful not to let his newfound fame go straight to his head. Yeah, well, thanks very much to our judges. I think we could give them all a big round of applause. Well, as our judges leave, we have to say that, folks, it's over to you now to decide who it is who really has that X factor, because the lines are open. If you want Adam and Eve, phone 0800 506 067 001. If you want Jacob and Esau, phone 0800 506070 002. And if your favourite is David, 0800 506 003. Thank you very much, Dermot. Uh, after uh, Esau and Jacob in the Bible, you get Joseph, he's the one with the coat. Then you get Moses, the one with the plagues. Then you get Joshua, the one with Jericho. Uh, but, you know, none of them have that special something. Uh, and then the judges turn off. Well, not judges like Cheryl and Simon, but judges like Samson and Gideon. 
And they can't get people to listen to God. In fact, they don't listen to God uh, themselves very much. But then the kings arrive. Surely one of them is going to have the X factor. The second king is David. He's big, big character. He's a great big character in the Bible. Uh, And like the song said, he kills lions and giants. Uh, He uh, wins loads of battles and writes loads of songs about God. Uh, The Bible tells us that against all odds, he comes to the throne. And up until those early years, he does a pretty good job. The judges would probably give him a thumbs up. However, as Danny suggested, this X-factor cool that he has crumbles when he seduces and sleeps with another man's wife. It's terrible. He's a king and he misuses his power, even going as far as having her husband killed to try and cover it up. There's loads of things we could learn from David. How power and influence can go to our heads. How we need to be very careful when things seem to be going okay, because that's often when the things can crumble. How God even uses our failures to bring about his plans. But in this big sweep of Bible history that we're looking through today, you're left with one question. If David, this great king, doesn't have the X factor, who has? Who's going to do it? God's promised person with the X factor is never going to turn up. Dermot. Well, thanks very much, Gareth. Well, could I have the results envelope, please? Remember, don't phone now as your call may be charged and a vote might not count. Thank you. Here we go. I can feel the tension building as we open the envelope to find out who has won this year's X factor. There must be some mistake here. I think I've been given the wrong envelope. I mean, there's nothing in here. Hang on, I'm just getting a message. Yep. Well, it would seem that after seeing all the contestants that the public have decided that no one has the X factor. No one has the X factor. Lord, if you marked our transgressions, who would stand? Lord, if you mark the things that we do wrong, who would stand? Well, no one's going to stand. No one has the X Factor. Yeah, you know, um, if you watch the X Factor, you'll know that the whole series starts with a country-wide search uh, at which anybody can come and have a go. Um, and uh, if I'm honest with you, it's by far the most entertaining part of the programme. It gets a bit boring as you, you get further on. But it's also very, very sad. It's sad watching these people who turn up um, at the X Factor auditions and think that they're brilliant when they're rubbish. They really are rubbish. They have hopes of X Factor stardom and they're about as far from stardom as you can get without ever realising it. Now we may shake our heads and laugh, uh, which I've often done at their pathetic attempts, but you know what? I don't think I could do much better. As we've looked at the characters in our um, uh, Old Testament uh, Bible overview, in our X Factor, I think we're supposed to feel the same way. It's no good looking at Adam and Eve and shaking your head and tutting. Oh, you know, I'd never have done that. You, you, You shouldn't be doing that. It's no good pointing at Jacob at Esau and saying how pathetic they are. These things are recorded in the Bible for a reason. And the whole thrust of that first bit of the Bible, the Old Testament, is to tell us that in God's eyes, no one ever even gets past the first audition. No one sorts out the mess. In fact, all the people who come along, 
Well, they tend to make more of a problem, don't they? That they just ignore God. No one has the X factor. What did our verse say? There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. And that includes me and it includes you. It's all of us. And if you think about it, it's really devastating, isn't it? Everyone who has ever lived has let God down. And if, as you read the Old Testament, you begin to feel part of the story and part of the failure, well, that's exactly what you're supposed to feel. Like Adam and Eve, I ignore God. I don't listen to his loving instruction and it usually ends up disastrously. We're just the same as Adam and Eve. In our families, like with Jacob and Esau, there's favouritism and there's jealousy and there's comparison and there's selfishness and then there's all the hurt and fighting that go along with those feelings. We're just like a Jacob and Esau. Um, At work, we can abuse our power like David. And I wonder how many of us appear all right on the outside, just like David did, whereas on the inside there's a whole confusion of sin and mess going on. Maybe some of us have felt that as we've listened to the Sermon on the Mount series that we've been doing in the evening services. We're just the same as David. Like all these people, we turn our backs on God. But, and this is the big but, as we recognise our failure as we claim responsibility for messing up, as we realise that we don't have the X factor, we're actually taking the first step towards sorting ourselves out with God. It's a great first step, but we still need somebody with the X factor to come and sort stuff out. And so the second bit of the Bible kicks in. And what historical event that we're about to celebrate very, very soon does the New Testament start with? Christmas! Yeah, thank you very much. I knew there was somebody awake out there. Uh, Christmas, which is interesting, isn't it? Because at Christmas, someone who is very special turns up, Jesus. And if anybody's got the X Factor he has, just think about it. Born in a stable with angels as his backing group. That's the X Factor, isn't it? Living a perfect X Factor life on the earth with a bunch of X Factor failures as friends. Betrayed by one of them and sent to the X Factor, the cross. Dying to take the blame for every single failure who ever lived. And finishing off in heaven, the only person ever to deserve to win God's X Factor. But it's a victory that he just didn't win for himself. He won it for all of us too, if we decide to vote for him. And so as we reach the end of our X Factor Bible overview, let me finish with a couple of thoughts. The Bible, if you read it and get it, it's, well, it does two, two really quite scary things that the TV X Factor uh, can never do. I think I've put them on here somewhere. Uh, God's X Factor, there you go. Here they are. Uh, the first one is, it makes you part of the show. And the second one is, it means you need to vote. It means you have to vote. Uh, let's take those one at a time. It makes you part of the show. It changes us from someone who watches and just reads our Bible, maybe, to someone who's part of what's going on. I wonder if you've moved this morning from being just a viewer to being a participant. I wonder if you sort of turned up and thought, oh, come and have a look and see what all these Christians are doing. But now you've realised you're not really on the outside at all. You're part of the show. I hope and pray that as we've seen in ourselves something of the mess that the X Factor contestants were in, we've learnt that. 
I hope that no matter how much Bible knowledge you think you've got, no matter how well you think you know God, no matter whether you call yourself a really mature Christian or you're just a baby Christian, or even not a Christian, I hope you've seen that there's one thing that every single one of us has in common. No one here at all has or ever will have the X factor. We all disobey God. There is no one who is righteous, not even one. You're part of this show and we all fail. Uh, and the second thing is, you need to vote. My family have watched The X Factor from the first programme. I missed it last night, but it's been recorded. Uh, from the first programme to the last. Uh, and we all have our opinion of who was good and who was bad, who should stay in and who should go out. But as yet, we've never picked up the phone. Uh, we've never voted, mainly because I'm a stingy rat. Um, but you can't do that with Jesus. You really can't. Once you've heard about him, uh, you've got to vote. You've got to vote. You have to vote. And not voting means you have voted and said no. Do you really think, and this is the question I want to leave you with, do you really think that Jesus has the X factor or not? Maybe this Christmas, or even as we sing this last hymn, which is very much about Jesus, that will help you to think it through for yourself. Do you think that Jesus has got the X factor or not? Let's stand and sing. It's a great uh, carol, this one, from the squalor of a borrowed stable.